This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Thanks for joining me, Brad. Um, I'll just get straight to it if that's okay. First of all, uh, you joined Liverpool in 1997 after a successful work permit appeal. When were you first aware of uh, Liverpool's interest in you? Because it must have been quite a lengthy process for you going through all these work permits. Yeah, it was it was a long um, long process. the uh, The first time I knew of Liverpool's interest was when Graham Souness was at the club back in um, I guess nineteen ninety two, um, and uh, Tom Saunders at the time had uh, flown over to come meet myself and um, and watch me in training. Um, I know Steve Highway at the time had had some ties with. Uh, hold on one second, my dog Wally, get down. Who um, had. Uh, who had some uh, ties with um, uh, the United States at the time. And um, I, a couple of um, agents that I worked with uh, early early on had, um, had sort of ties into Liverpool and they started watching me then. So I, I think the first official offer came around that time, like 93-ish. Um, but then Graham had... Um, Graham, Graham had gone to. Sorry, if you can see, I'm up. I'm on my rooftop in Miami, and if the if, if I think the dog could jump over, and there's another dog down, <laughs> no and worries. we're like four, like four stories up. So, anyways, the um, uh, so um, Graham had left uh, shortly after that. I believe they uh, they lost in the uh, in the League Cup or the FA Cup to uh, it could have been Bristol City or Bristol Rovers at the time. And so then uh, when Roy Evans, he was obviously on the staff and knew about my interest or the interest in me when he took over, then the process uh, started over a little bit. And then I started communicating a lot more with he and uh, Doug Livermore. Well, you're saying that's 92, 93. Uh, That's five years before you finally get this move. And I think you've had, what, four times maybe there were other British moves that nearly came about? Yeah, so after after the Liverpool um, uh, interest, and then Graham uh, not staying at Liverpool. Um, I, you know, prior to that, I had had a uh, an, a work permit to bid. I signed a contract with Nottingham Forest, and I couldn't get a work permit. That was prior to Liverpool. Um, then I had signed a contract with Newcastle when Kevin Keegan was at Newcastle and got denied a work permit. Uh, I had signed a contract, uh, agreed terms with Sunderland as well, and had a permit denied. Um, and then uh, there was some interest with uh, Southampton at one stage, but never signed a contract. Um, and when it was uh, Liverpool was the next up and uh, we were denied the contract, but then um, or the, uh, the work permit, sorry. But then we, uh, we got it wanted on appeal, I believe at the end of 96, the beginning of 1997. You must've been so relieved then when it finally did get approved and you could join Liverpool. Yeah. The, um, yeah, relief is a is a uh, back then a hundred percent relief was the feeling. Um, now, fast forward to where I'm fifty, um, it also you know I look back on it as as a blessing as well because I was able to join Brunby, meet some wonderful people, see a different aspect of life in Denmark, and then uh, also had uh, had a wonderful experience at Galatasaray. You know, so I, I got to hand play, um, albeit a small, a small time, but in the inaugural season of MLS. So that, and in my hometown or home state, I should say, hometown didn't have a, uh, a team, but home state of Columbus. So, you know, so looking back on it, 
it there's some positives to it but at the time in my mind it was only negatives that was so it was relief when i when i first got it i know in the past you've hinted at there were maybe broken promises from liverpool um but what, what were they saying to you in negotiations because i know the move didn't quite work out as you'd like but at that time there's that excitement to be joining such a big club yeah i shouldn't you know again now as i'm 50 um if I ever use the word broken promises, that's the incorrect word. I don't think of now that I've been in so many various levels of football, um, you can never promise a player anything. I think, um, and looking back on it as well, it, it was the only time in my whole career that I, that I had an inconsistent run of form, uh, to be, to be honest with you. So, um, I, uh, I always felt that I should be the number one goalkeeper wherever I was. Uh, that's, you know, the mentality, of of who I was, um, you know, but uh, I, I didn't have consistent games, especially the um, that very first season when when I finally got my opportunity. I'd have a couple of good games, and then I'd there would be a, a mistake, you know, followed by possibly another one, and then I would have a couple more decent games. And you know, first impressions are so important at a football club, and. If you look through my career, that's the only club, the first impressions, you know, with everybody, with the fans, with the staff, you know, players was more of an inconsistent one as opposed to um, this is this is our guy. It's the only one. And, and I'm not a nervous individual. I don't know. I don't know why that was. Um, you know, there's a there was competition, of course, with David James, um, but there's competitions at, at the Premier League at every club that you go to. There's there's a uh, at every position, to be honest with you. So um, I don't know, just one of those one of those things, which is a shame because it was my uh, it was a club I supported growing up, and um, things didn't work out. So I would I would uh, if I ever used the word broken promises, I'd have to I'd have to retract that to be to be honest with you because I don't think you can uh, you know I, I, things were said no doubt, um, uh, but it was more to you know try to give me confidence and things of that nature. Um, you know, and as a player, I took it as that that's my chance. You said this, and, you know, but we have to we have to look back in the his, history books and and look at and then go for performances, just sheer performances. And um, at the very beginning, um, you know, they were a bit inconsistent, to be to be honest with you. And um, it's a shame because it's uh, it's an incredible club that I wish that I had gone in and performed consistently from minute one. And, you know, and I could have stayed there over 10 years, but it didn't work out that way. And if you look at your situation, it was the same for you and David James, I suppose. You both had inconsistencies. You were both in the team and out the team. How did the manager approach that with you? What was your relationship like with David James? Because I imagine it's quite difficult for goalies when you're both being taken out of the team and then put back in. Were there conversations between you or the manager saying, look, I'm going to have to take you up firing line here or you're going back in, you, you deserve this chance? I think Jamo documented it. Like it was a really tough time for him. Um, it was the first time I believe in his career that he had been truly challenged with uh, losing his starting spot. Um, he did not, uh, he did not befriend me, so to speak. And so um, there was, a, there was no special relationship there in saying that uh, we are friends today. Uh, there's no zero animosities between the two of us. I think it was, and, and none by me when I had, when I had joined, but I think it was easier for me because I was the one that was being, um, scouted I was the one that was being brought in um and I think he took it personal which again in his mind he was the number one goalkeeper 
and he was a, and he was a great goalkeeper. You know, he, the athleticism that he had, his uh, strength and stature, um, and I think he found it really difficult to cope with the fact that somebody else had uh, come into the team that was brought in legitimately to replace him. Um, and I think he found it. Um, I think he found it difficult with regards to how the uh, when it was just Roy Evans as manager. Um, Roy Roy called the shots, and if you know when um, uh, I forget the game, I may have played Coventry at home, and he told me after the game that I'd be playing the next, and that was Aston Villa away. Um, uh, I think uh, I think Jamo had made a mistake in the game. Not sure it's a long time ago now, but he had told me. I mean, it was just so Evo dealt with it. I'm sure when um, when Roy was thinking of replacing me, I'm sure he had a, a chat with Jamo in the same in the same manner. Very different when it was co-managers. Um, I think that was really hard for Gerard and Roy too. Because there was there were certain players that were brought in after the co-managers were were together, and I guess those players would be deemed more of Gerard's signings in the long run, and the the signings that Roy had made earlier, like we would all go to Roy, um, but realistically the decisions had to be made by both, mm-hmm. so it was it was difficult I think for everybody at the club to manage to manage that who who should go where to talk to who um and there was there was a lot of change that was needed at the club um and you know uh, gerard after uh after roy was let go then um then gerard had a lot of work to do and he did a great job of doing it to be to be honest with you with from you know off the field items such as the um, the training ground uh, improvements, the staff improvements, uh, just the overall culture at, at the um, at the club with the uh, with the athleticism and the professionalism that was creeping in. Thought he did a, I thought he did a wonderful job with um, uh, with um, the likes of the very young Michael Owen, a very young Steven Gerrard, a young Jamie Carragher, and look at the careers that that they had. Um, you know, so there was a lot of a lot of work that he needed to do um, on and off the field. And once once that was sort of his job, then he was able to do it. I think looking back on it, and you'd have to ask the powers that be. Um, I believe they did the co-managerialship because they really didn't want to re- let uh, Roy go because he was such an incredible servant to the club, so loyal. I mean, he was in tears the day that he was um, let go in front of all the players. Players had an incredible amount of respect for the man. He was just a nice, a nice human being, um, and no one wanted to see him, uh, see him go. So, you know, I think it was, I think it was really hard for the people on the board and anyone involved in Liverpool to let Roy go at the time. That you know, it wasn't a it, it, change needed to happen at the club. I'm not necessarily talking about Roy needed to go. I'm just saying change overall needed to happen. Um, and that's the way that they chose to go. And I, I think there are a lot of um, a lot of people that were sad to having to, you know, that that's the choice that um, that had uh, had to be made at, or that they did make at the time. Because um, I'm, not, I'm not really sure I ever met anyone that didn't like Roy Evans around the, around the world of football. So, um, 
you know, that's that's the way that it went down. Do you remember what the um, dressing room reaction was to Julier coming in and having these co-managers? Because it was unheard of, really, in top-flight football over here. And then how did your relationship differ between the two of them? Well, Roy signed me, so my relationship was far easier to go and um, speak to speak to Roy. Um, my relationship at the time with uh, Gerard was a little bit uh, was a little bit turbulent, but we quickly um, put that put that behind. You know, I, I, I desperately wanted to play and prove myself. Um, when they did sell JMO, they brought in Sonder, um, and once they spent the money at the time, which was a decent sized transfer fee on Sonder. Um, I, saw, I saw the writing on the wall. I didn't want to leave Liverpool, but I knew I had I knew I had to to go um, to go and play football elsewhere. Um, you know, as as the time rolled on at at Liverpool, um, Gerard and my relationship was was fine. I knew where I stood at the club. Um, you know, I don't I don't think they. I met with Gerard and um, Rick Perry and my agent Paul Stratford at the time on doing the uh, the move to Blackburn. We met over at um, Gerard's house and you know they they didn't they said they didn't want me to leave and and I believe I believe them I mean I'm sure they wanted to have as strong a goalkeeping department as they could at the um, at the club um, but at the at the same time they signed off on the transfer which looking back on it I'm I'm grateful for because it wasn't a great deal of money it was a free transfer and they just had to take over Three hundred thousand pounds worth, which worth of bonus payments, if if I played three hundred games, and so it was a, it was not a not a big transfer at all. So I was I was very um, very thankful for that that they did it, um, you know. And then and the rest uh, from that moment on, you know, every time I saw Gerard, um, we had we had a good relationship. We had a um, we had a far different relationship um, when he came to Villa. You know, I was. I was much older. He um, he was coming into a club. It was a very good relationship. I think somebody wrote an, on a side note. Somebody wrote an article that I wasn't happy that with the signing of Gerard at Aston Villa, and uh, and he Gerard was looking to sell me and things. I though that was just I think mischief making from some departments of the press because we didn't have a bad relationship at all at Aston Villa, and um, I was very sad to see uh, when he had uh, when he had come down ill again and. When I was retired and post my career, we had actually done a few speaking engagements together. So um, it, it was there was just that little time. I was young, you know. I wanted to play. It was at Liverpool, and it was a little bit turbulent, but nothing, you know, nothing disrespectful or or bad. Uh, you know, Gerard did some wonderful things for Liverpool um, and for and, and for every club and federation that he worked for over his career. So um, you know, that's just that's just sometimes to be a, the path your career takes. But I have a an incredible amount of, amount of respect for what he did in the game overall. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Uh, I appreciate it's, what, 25 years ago now, but what are your memories of playing at Anfield for the first time against Bolton or like your first training session? Like you said, it's your boyhood club. You're joining them. So I'm sure it's all exciting. It must have had hairs on the back of your neck walking out Anfield for the first time and playing with the likes of, I don't know, Jamie Redknapp, Robbie Fowler, these sorts of players? Um, you, you could be, a, I could be a hundred and I wouldn't forget it. Like you, um, there's certain feelings, certain feelings in your life that you'll never forget, certain instances you'll never forget. And that is, that's one of them. And in football, in, in football, anyone who has had the, uh, 
the opportunity to play for one of the one of the big clubs. You know, it doesn't just necessarily have to be Liverpool, but um, Liverpool is a special uh, a special club, no doubt. Um, it, it's uh, it's a different sort of feeling. Sort of hard to put your hard to put your finger on the pole. Um, it's it's excitement. There's some nerves to it, without without a doubt. There's um, anticipation. There, you know, is a um, and even as an away player, um, you know, my my career was was not something that you would call illustrious at Liverpool. Um, I, I got magnificent um, receptions when I came when I came there as an opposing goalkeeper. Um, you know, I always I suppose that's they do that a lot to. Um, to uh, ex players, especially goalkeepers that go and run in front of the cop, I know that. But perhaps it was—they always knew that I gave a hundred percent for the club. I'm sure, um, and I was never disrespectful to Liverpool, nor would I ever be. In, in uh, after I had after I had left, so um, yeah. But, but every time I saw Liverpool away on the team sheet on the fixture list, I should say not team sheet. Um, that was, you know, I would anticipate, I would really enjoy going back and you, you know, um, ask the, uh, ask the skipper, which way we're going. And you know, that when you're going to go run to the cop, you're going to get a fantastic ovation. And you know, the best thing about what I found with Liverpool supporters is how, I mean, in, in great in England in general, but Liverpool, especially is their, their football knowledge is really second to none. Like they, uh, playing in games, I think it was my debut. Um, Alan Thompson scored an absolutely worldly on me, and when the cop applauded his goal, it, could, it was it was a special goal. It really was. Looking back on it, I mean, he he absolutely leathered the ball across the body with his left foot into the into my upper left hand corner, and I, I mean, it was a superb strike. I'm not sure any goalkeeper saves it. I'm not sure if two goalkeepers in the goal save it. You know, it's one of those type of goals, mm-hmm. and and he got applause from it. You know, it wasn't not sarcastic toward against us um, or myself. It was a genuine, it was, you know, a genuine, all right, you know, we won on the day, but that goal we are going to, we're going to give you applause for because it was special. And so um, I, I found, and they did, they do that today. Um, they'll do it always. It's, um, it, it's a diff. you don't get that from too many, um, too many grounds globally. <laughs> uh, looking at, when you were at Liverpool, uh, you, I think you finished your first season as first choice. You started your second season as first choice, but then there was a defeat to United, a couple of mistakes, and you lost your place from that game. I know you weren't happy at the time, but it seems now you, you've had that time to look back. A whole career you've lived, and how do you look back on that now when you're losing your place in the Liverpool team with all that experience behind you now? Um, I mean, I still think it, it was harsh at the time. You know, it because I I knew what I had inside myself to be a consistent goalkeeper. But um, again, I think a lot of it comes down to the first impressions as well. And there wasn't that confidence in me, you know, so, you know, and I'm, I'm I've been a uh, head coach at various levels as well. And I, and I get it. You have to make decisions. You have to make decisions on, um, on, on uh, if you think you win or not, you know, the funny now that I'm older, a bit more wiser in, in the game, I've never met a coach. I've never been in a coaching on a coaching staff. I've never made decisions myself ever to go out and lose a game. So any decision that's ever made in football is because that head coach and the staff thinks this is best. This is best to win the game. I, I suppose um, 
I suppose some players could be left out for personal reasons, but I think those coaches end up losing their job anyways because you should always make the make the decision that's best for the club and the team to win a game. So, um, yeah, it was a choice. I wasn't happy at the time, of course, but um, it was a choice. And you know, looking uh, looking back, um, looking back on things, it, all these instances helped me a lot. And, and I took the mistakes that I made and I had Liverpool. And when I went to Blackburn, I made sure that if I ever had made a mistake, you know, I was going to work really hard uh, psychologically, work really hard um, physically to make sure that they didn't happen again. And, and that's where my career really took off consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at your fi- final season with Liverpool, I might be a bit ignorant to the situation here, but it seems like a strange one because you were second choice behind Sander Westerveld. I know you got your chance for a couple of games when he had his punch up with Francis Jeffers, but you weren't always on the bench. I know you said the writing was on the wall when he came in, but was that basically a long season waiting to leave? Well, the reason I wasn't on the bench had nothing to do with me being second or third choice. I I was the second choice. It had to do with work permit regulations. Uh So at the time, um, I, you could have um, multiple uh, non-EU players on your books, but you could only have three in a match day squad. So we had Patrick Berger, Vladimir Smeeser, and, um, myself and there was one more at the club maybe maybe Rigobert Song at the time I think he could have been a, a work permitted player and so um, you could only have three and if if they didn't need to they weren't going to put a goalkeeper as and leave Vladdy Patrick or, or Rigo out um, you know so that if you ever saw me not on the uh, team the, the, the squad list you know as a sub that was the reason why and that was and that was communicated to me. I knew I knew that. I mean, again, you know, not 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 crazily happy about it, but it, you know, I understood that. And then when Sander had his had his uh, his uh, who was that? That was against Everton, wasn't it? And I think yeah, uh, Stan, Stan, I think Stan Staunton went and went and goal. <laughs> so because I was on the bench for that game, but we had already used our substitute, so I couldn't go on. So Stan Stan uh, had the play. Or maybe I wasn't on the bench. I'm not sure. Who knows? But anyways, that was uh, that was the reason. Ah, that, that explains it. Thank you. Um, when uh, David James left, was there a brief moment when you thought you could be the number one here, or were they already clear that they were going to be bringing someone else in, and you realised you might have to move on? Well, when they sold him, I knew they'd bring someone else in, but I all I also always tried to back myself against anybody to be the number one. Um, again, I, I think trust has to go into it. I, I just think with the way things had started in my Liverpool career, that Gerard and uh, Phil Thompson was then the assistant coach. I just don't think they had full you know, faith in me as the long-term consistent Liverpool goalkeeper. Um, I, and I don't think there was a lot I could have done, to be honest with you. because I, I think I could have had played 10 games on the bounce, had 10 clean sheets, and the next mistake I made, I think the staff had already made up their mind. See, I told you. When in reality, goalkeepers make mistakes all the time. But when when they have something, when there's a seed of doubt already there, then it's, it's really tough to um, change the minds. Now, when Gerard came to Aston Villa, it was easier for him to trust me because I had just put um, from, what, 2000 to when did Gerard come in 2010 or something like that? I just put 10 solid years of consistent performances behind me. Yeah. So, 
it was easier than to say, okay, I trust him now. You know, that's that's kind of how it worked. Um, I don't want to say, do you have any regrets leaving Liverpool? Because obviously you don't. You went to Blackburn, you won promotion, you won the League Cup. But when you look at what happened in those few years after you left Liverpool, then winning the treble and then Sander Westfeld leaving so soon, is there that seed of doubt of what would have happened if you had stayed, you would have won a few trophies and you might have had the chance to be a first choice, even though you didn't perhaps have that trust? Sadness. It's not sadness, not regret. I had, you know, and and look at it this way as well, because they had offered me the opportunity to stay. At, at Liverpool, you know, I, I had the choice to do it, but I could have been at this wonderful football club, this incredible, um, this incredible football club, and never really played. You know, and that's and you know, I always wanted to sign my contracts to play football, not knowing that the likelihood is I was going to be a sub. And they went through a lot of goalkeepers um, before they found uh, Pepe Reina, um, and he was a long-term number one and. Um, and now they have uh, they have one of the world's world's greatest analysis at the uh, at the club. But they went through a fair few goalkeepers before they found a um, the consistent one they wanted. So I think I was I think I was there all all along. But um, but it was also down to my performances as as well um, that just didn't instill that confidence at the from the onset of. Um, of Gerard coming in, and I'm I'm sure when Gerard before he was signed as the uh, as the co-manager, you know he had had um, a lot of communications with uh, with Peter Robinson and with Rick Perry, and and I'm sure they were going through the squad, and I'm sure Rick Perry had said, yeah, we have this goalkeeper, and you know, and he's been inconsistent so far, and I'm sure from that point, you know, and then when when Gerard came in, you know, the first time that I made a mistake or the second, and then I think it all just came in in. Uh, in his mind in that manner. And it was tough to break out of it. So zero regrets for leaving sadness. Of course, I think um, anyone who has the opportunity to play at your Liverpool's or, um, or your United's or, you know, now, nowadays, man cities and stuff, and you have to leave to go play. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure there are not many players who want to want to leave these clubs. Um, you know, every now and again, you get the opportunity to go from these clubs to Real Madrid or Barcelona. Or something. Um, not regret, uh, sadness maybe. <laughs> and then if we go to, yeah, can we just uh, sorry to jump in. Can we just make this the last question, please? Yeah, sure. If we go to the end of your career, uh, you were linked with a return to Liverpool. That I think there were talks, but you went to Tottenham. What was the the story there? Were there, how close were you to going back to Liverpool? Incredibly close. Um, I spoke with um, with uh, Damien. A number of times, Kamali was at the club at the time, and um, and Kenny. Um, the the big the big difference, and I was really I was really close to um, to doing it. Um, the big one was, it, and I, going back to my answer, I always sign contracts to play. Tottenham was offering me the chance to to play and be the number one for at least a year, um, and. I was going into Liverpool as the out-and-out number two because Reina was still at the club, and um, there were there were talks of doing things in the academy with Liverpool, and I had because I was forty at the time, and I had the same at uh, at Tottenham um, that had been discussed prior to prior to going there, uh, and it it was there was more money at Liverpool. Um, 
that that was that wasn't the deciding factor on the decision. Um, and I actually surprised myself a little bit at, at not going back to Liverpool because you know it would have been. I get it was it was very close. I had um, I had the decision between West Brom uh, to stay at Aston Villa, Tottenham, and Liverpool at 40 years of age. I mean, you, you couldn't ask for a better scenario. The um, and then Villa, everything had gone well. It's just that there was so much change at Aston Villa that they they had only offered a one year contract, and I thought there was just too much change going on. But I loved my time there, but it just felt right. So yes, it was extremely close. It went down to virtually the last day of where I had to decide and I had both contracts in front of me um, and I had to decide one of them. So yeah, it was, it was really close. Perfect. Uh, I know we've just said last one, but if, have you got quick time? Yeah, I think, I think we have to wrap up there, please. That's all right. What's a, what's a, what's a quick one? What did you want to ask? It was just um, what your thoughts are on FSG and how the reaction to Liverpool's success under them is in the States. Obviously you're American, you're in Miami. Just wondered what your thoughts on FSG and Liverpool were. Um, my thoughts on FSG, I don't know them that well, to be honest with you. I know I'm over here. My thoughts on Liverpool is that they're, uh, they're a magnificent team to watch. And I think Jurgen Klopp has done an incredible job. I would have to see that FSG has done a good job because of the players that Jurgen Klopp has. So I imagine they're working congruently together um, very, 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 uh, very well. So um, I love watching. They're one of the most exciting teams to watch. They have probably the, arguably the best player in the world in Salah at this moment in time. Their attack force is incredible. Their, uh, their goalkeepers are exciting to watch as well. So that not, not anything at this moment bad or negative to say. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.